Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, Eat Blog Talkers. It is just you and me today, and I'm going to talk about not panicking in the tumultuous waters of food blogging. First though, food bloggers, I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sending me topic ideas. You guys have been so great about that. Thank you for inspiring me every single day. I am grateful that I listened to that little voice that told me to start this podcast in the first place. And I truly hope that you find value here because that is always my number one goal. Along the lines of gratitude, I would be so grateful if you headed over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review Eat Blog Talk. Also, check out my resources page on the blog. There are some affiliate links there that could benefit you. Things like Flowdesk savings. I am loving Flowdesk, a free Sumrush trial, and even Instacart membership savings. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources. Also, if you have an interesting topic idea to discuss that relates in some way to food blogging, please fill out an application. And there is a new forum for food bloggers that doesn't involve spending money or Facebook. Hop over and contribute to the discussions at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Today, I want to chat with you about panic and food blogging and how these two things can so easily, unfortunately, go hand in hand. Food blogging is still a new thing. It's like we're still in that beta phase where we're wading through scary waters, not knowing if something is lurking just beneath the surface, ready to bite our ankles. Add to that the fact that we are all entrepreneurs and running our own businesses and the fact that algorithms and updates are an ever-present reality for us, there's a lot of opportunity for panic in this tumultuous world of food blogging. So let's address that a little bit today. I think talking about cycles is a really appropriate place to start with this. There are cycles to everything. When things are up, you know they'll eventually fall. And when things are low, you know they'll eventually rise. It's the nature of life, and we should expect this in the biggest scope we can conceive and also in the smallest details. In terms of a small detail like food blogging, open your Google Analytics and look at the graph that represents your blog traffic over the course of the past two years. You will see cycles. There will be swings in the down direction, which are inevitably followed by an upward climb. And on a much broader scale, dark times you experience in life are followed by good times and on and on. It is a constant ebb and flow that literally never ends. Most of you listening grasp this concept. You are smart people, which means that you understand what cycles are all about and that they're always with us. But that doesn't make it easy to endure them, right? They can still be rough, even devastating at times. Dark times can be hard to understand, even when we have the knowledge that food blogging can't exist without them. If you have been food blogging for a short time and you have recently had traffic that's been wiped out by a Google or Facebook or Pinterest algorithm change, 
you are probably left with your head spinning and wondering, what the heck? But here is the plain truth. This journey is no joke. I say that all the time. I have been food blogging for almost 10 years and I have experienced a ton of heartbreak during that time. I have worked my butt off for years at a time with steady growth, but very slow, steady growth. I have seen over half of my traffic wiped out overnight because of a Pinterest update. One time a host shut down my site for 16 hours straight because I hadn't received any of my renewal emails. My traffic from Google was hit really hard after some of the most recent Google updates. And currently, as I'm speaking at this very moment, none of my recipes are showing up in those recipe carousels in Google. I am talking not a single one. So I have seen other bloggers experience huge losses as well over the years. It's not just me. It's not just you. It's all of us. And this is normal, unfortunately, 100% normal and totally expected. If this were an easy job that maintained an upswing all the time, everyone would be doing it, first of all, and it wouldn't be real because reality involves cycles. I scan the Facebook groups regularly, and I see that a lot of food bloggers right now are experiencing massive distress, and I would say even panic over the recent Google updates that wiped out traffic and therefore money from their blogs and businesses. And I understand this distress. I don't at all discount that this can be a really hard thing to grasp and deal with. I also feel that it is really important to put a reminder out there that if you want to truly succeed in this world, speaking to you here as a food blogger and a human being, that you have to be able to endure the hard times with a little bit of grace. There is nothing we can do to avoid tough times, and we certainly find out who we are when we have to experience them, though. Am I right? I'm going to share a little story with you today that has absolutely nothing to do with food blogging, but bear with me. There is a point, and I promise I'll come back around with this. This is a little story about our oldest son, so please forgive me if I get a little teary. It's hard for me to talk about this without doing so. But our oldest son, Elijah, was born with multiple anomalies, the most serious one being a complex heart condition. We found out about it before he was born, so we had a few months to wrap our heads around the facts before he was actually in our arms. We were paired up with a great cardiologist who took the time to explain different options for what we could expect after he was born. So kind of in a nutshell, he gave us three options and they were one, death, two, a lifetime of surgeries with complications and limitations, and three, a lifetime of surgeries, but thriving as a human being. So before he was born, I just prayed so hard and just believed that the best of those three options would be what was destined for his life. We knew that surgeries would be inevitable, but we prayed and believed for a thriving, happy life for him too. And thankfully, that is exactly how his life has transpired. He is a thriving, happy, incredible, just unique, awesome 12-year-old boy But there have been dark times in this journey with him. It has not always been easy. One of the darkest times was the month or so leading up to his second open heart surgery. He was 14 months old. His heart was failing and we were seeing more evidence of that with every day that passed. He was vomiting nonstop. He had these scary blue spells at random times that 
prompted ambulance rides and trips to the ER, and his immune system was severely compromised during this time. And because of that, he caught sickness after sickness, and ideally, open heart surgery should not be performed on a sick child. So we kept waiting, hoping that his body would fight off the constant sicknesses so that he could get the surgery he needed so badly. But his body wasn't able to fight anything off because his heart was in such distress. So we walked this really fine line for what seemed like forever. In reality, it was just a couple of weeks, but at the time it seemed like an eternity for us. Finally, his heart surgeon just decided to schedule the surgery because if we waited much longer, his heart would have stopped working and we just needed to get it done. Literally 24 hours before his scheduled surgery, the sickness left his body, thank God, and he was able to have that surgery without the additional risk of being sick on top of it. And everything went great with that surgery, by the way. He was then 15 months old, and after what we now know was the biggest operation of his life, I'm glad that we didn't know that then, he came home only eight days after open-heart surgery as a just over a one-year-old. So that was truly amazing. The time leading up to that surgery was just riddled with fear and anxiety. There was one night during that time when I was giving Elijah a bath at home and he had a scary blue spell where he stopped breathing for a little bit. I wrapped him up in blankets and called 911. My husband was not home at the time. It was just the two of us, which made it a little bit extra scary. Once we got to the hospital, they were able to normalize everything pretty quickly. But I remember noticing that a lot of doctors and nurses were slowly piling into his room. Then I realized that they were all looking at his O2 monitor, which is the device that monitors the amount of oxygen in your blood. Since his heart was working so hard, we totally expected a low oxygen saturation, but Nobody was expecting to see that his reading would be at 36%. I will never forget seeing that number because it was so much lower than anything we'd seen before. Before that day, I think the lowest we'd ever seen was maybe 70%, which is still really low. And just to give you an idea, you and I or most people have an oxygen saturation of somewhere between 98 and 100% all the time. So the 36% sent me off the deep end. I had been a pretty solid, faithful mom and human and just filled with a lot of grace up until that point and during those tough stretches pretty well because I knew I really didn't have an option to do otherwise. It was just part of the deal when we had learned that I would be the mother of a child with congenital heart disease. I embraced Elijah extra from the moment we learned about the challenges that he would be born with. I knew it was not going to be an easy journey, but I knew I was all in no matter what. But that 36%, it temporarily broke me, you guys. I locked myself in the nearest bathroom and I sat on the floor and I sobbed. It was the first time in that journey that I felt totally captured by fear. I will never forget the way I felt in that moment. It was the most awful, soul-wrenching, helpless feeling Those are all horrible ways to feel, yes, but somehow also in that moment, I knew that I needed to just be there and let myself feel those 
terrible things. So I sat on that cold bathroom floor and I just sat with all of those ugly, real feelings. And then when I was done, I picked myself up and I got back out to my boy's hospital room and I dove into loving him and making sure that he was comfortable and breathing. Was it easy to do that? No, it was not. It was heart-wrenching, but I did it anyway. You get where I'm going with this, I'm sure, and you might be saying, really? You're comparing food blogging to your child's medical issues, and I just want to say yes, I am, because there is value in learning how we handle dark times. When a Google update wipes out 80% of your traffic, are you devastated? Of course you are, and it's okay to plop yourself down on the bathroom floor and have a good cry. In fact, I highly recommend doing that. Let yourself feel those losses we bloggers sometimes face because issues arise that can truly send us through stages of grief. But in the end, you have to pick yourself up off the floor and you have to get yourself back out to that scary hospital room and just keep doing what you know you should be doing. Keep creating content that you love and that is curated with passion and quality. Keep being yourself and putting your unique stamp on the world. Consistently and persistently create. I love those two words and they're so vital in this job. Those hard hits are bound to come. They will come. That is a given fact. And when they do, remember that you don't need to blame anyone. Cycles are a part of life after all. No one is to blame, so after your good cry, here is what I recommend. Take a step back and give yourself some time to look at the big picture. This might mean pulling up Google Analytics traffic over the past two or five years. Has there been steady growth? Are there ups and downs, spikes, plummets? Probably yes on all of the above. Those things are all a part of your individual food blogging story. If you panned out and peeked at your life in the same way and on the same scale, you'd see those ups and downs, spikes and plummets there too. Very rarely though, and this is a really important point, will you ever find that you ever fall completely back to baseline. Even with the plummets, progress is always being made. Focus on the fact that progress exists. That is a really important part of this. And keep in mind that sometimes we need those dark stretches of time to give us perspective. They help us to appreciate the happy times, the up times, the times when everything is going swimmingly, when we're feeling great about our work, when traffic is exploding, fill in the blank. Know that there is purpose in all of it. Every single bit of it is a part of your story. That dark piece of the puzzle that you hate in the moment is still a piece of the puzzle. Once you have that clarity to take 10 steps back and view the puzzle in its entirety, that's when it makes sense. That's when you understand that your puzzle, your story would not be complete without that one dark piece or a bunch of dark pieces. Sometimes there are lessons we can take away from the darkness and we can also experience shifts in perspective. From that moment I told you about when I was crying on a bathroom floor at Children's Hospital, I took away an immense appreciation for life, especially for my son's life. Every milestone he has achieved since that day has been celebrated. Just last year, and remember he's 12, but just last year he started dressing himself in the mornings. Without prompting or help, he started getting out of bed and putting his own clothes on. 
this was such a huge deal from my perspective and it still is. I'm not kidding. I express thanks for this simple thing all of the time. Would this have been such a big deal if we hadn't been through such dark times with him? I don't know, maybe, but probably not. I do know for sure that experiencing dark times with our son has added clarity, grace, wisdom, patience, and generosity to my life in abundance. So what are some things we can take away from the dark times in food blogging? Having experienced a lot of devastation in this journey myself, I've gained a ton of the same things that I gained from going through my son's journey with him, clarity, grace, wisdom, patience, and generosity. And I know I'd have a lot less of all of the above as a food blogger without being shaken up and brought to my knees in total devastation once in a while. But lessons and growth aside, what can we actually do after we lose 50 or 80% of our traffic overnight? Even if the traffic loss itself is out of our control, there are still things that we can do. So I compiled a little list for you and I'm just going to go through those right now. So number one, listen to the experts. And in food blogging, experts are everywhere. If the loss pertains to Google and SEO, Listen to the smartest people on those topics and don't just listen to one person. I recommend listening to multiple trusted sources and make sure there's nothing that you can do to change the situation. If there is, do it, change it. And if there isn't, then you need to move on. Number two, don't stop creating. Keep creating quality content that your audience wants and needs from you And that also makes your soul sing. Be consistent and persistent. Always remember those two words and keep moving. Number three, consider diversifying your revenue streams. If you rely solely on ad revenue and 80% of your traffic comes from Google and a recent Google update wipes out 80% of your total traffic, ouch, This would not be as devastating of a loss, though, if you had other sources of income flowing. I won't get too far down this road because I will be publishing an interview with Susie Bullock from Hey Girl Hey in a few weeks, and she speaks much more fluently on this topic than I ever could. So keep your eyes peeled and listen to everything she says about diversifying because there's such gold in her words. She knows what she's talking about. Number four, evaluate, learn, and adapt. Is there a new standard that Google is looking for? Scour your favorite forum or groups. Ask trusted bloggers about next steps and listen to those experts I talked about earlier as you navigate your way out of whatever dark time you're experiencing. Actionable steps may arise as everyone around us sorts through the same issues too. So keep that in mind and keep your eyes and ears open. Stay connected with other food bloggers and experts and be willing to make changes to your blog and business as needed in order to adapt and grow. If Google appears to be favoring certain types of posts, then study those posts. What are they doing that you're not doing? If Pinterest is favoring a new type of pin format, figure out what that is and start doing it too. Number five, have tunnel vision for a time. I mentioned earlier that I lost a ton of traffic overnight one time due to a Pinterest update. I still remember exactly where I was sitting in my living room and what I was wearing when that happened. That is how significant of an event it was for me. It made me sick to my stomach. I felt like I'd been punched. I made the decision right then that night that I wouldn't look at my analytics for at least two months. 
because of the heartbreak of it, I'd keep at it with creating content because that's what I knew I needed to keep doing. But I'd keep my head down and not invite that heartbreak into my world for a time. Now, I don't think you should do this for an extended time because I think there's great value in knowing what your numbers are and where they're coming from. But when necessary for a time, I do believe that there is huge value in that. That is my list. That's all I've got. And I'm putting this out to you guys, not because I know everything or I'm perfect. My gosh, far from it. But because I've been through so much of it and I've experienced heartache just like you're experiencing and I know how it feels and I kind of know the process of going through it and I just hope that this gives you encouragement in some way that you've got this. You, If you're in the game for the long haul, then you need to be in it for the long haul. You are doing amazing work. You're creating such great content and you're strong people and you're resilient and you can do this. So thank you for listening. Amazing food blogging friends. I love you guys and I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.